but uh, <laughs> there's a sense in which like just to go, okay, oh, I am responsible as a business owner for all of those pieces. And if I'm lost like retouching in Photoshop full time because I just right. love doing that work or social media or whatever your kind of vice of choice is, not concerning yourself with these other pieces, you're at a radical disadvantage compared to your competition who is accounting for those pieces. Welcome to the Photo Report Podcast, where we talk to top-level pro photographers about the business behind their craft, their journeys to get them where they are, and the lessons they've learned along the way. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor, Film Supply Club. If you're a photographer, and guessing you are, you need to join. It's a member-based community where once a member, you get access to discounted prices on photo-related services, saving you tons of money. And if you shoot film, you get access to wholesale pricing, saving you even more. Basically, the best prices on film you can find. So go to filmsupply.club slash the photo report, all lowercase, all one word, and start saving today. Now on to the show. Welcome to the photo report. I've got Dane Sanders here who is a business coach. He's a photographer. He puts on summits. He's a bunch of things. Just excited to have him because he has a lot of really good stuff to say. And we're going to, a lot of this conversation is going to be around the idea of what what is it that small businesses and creatives and photographers, what are some of the things that they constantly do that get them into trouble or don't do or get themselves in the way of themselves, you know, that sort of stuff. But mm -hmm. Dan, can you give just a little bit about sort of who you are and then talk about the Gobi Collective, which is his sort of umbrella company that has all these things underneath it? Sure. Um, and we're also category of friends. We've been friends for a yeah, long time. Exactly. And grateful for you in my life. And this is what you do here. I think it's just very significant, I think, for a lot of folks. And I know that there are people right now, even as we're talking, who are watching this, who are like, they count on your voice in their life. And it, it kind of gets them through one more week, one more month, one more quarter. And I know you make a big difference. So, well, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. So I started uh, in the photo industry right in the transition between analog and digital. So circa 2000, early 2000s, and I was a teacher up in Santa Barbara, California at this uh, small liberal arts school. And I had a student who was about to ruin my academic career by introducing me to the creative profession of photography. So I've been at this for- Is that David? David J. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I've been at this for about, um, gosh, I want to say 12 years or so. And Pretty quick after I got into the conversation around just taking pictures as a blue collar photographer, I kept finding myself in conversations that would smuggle my, what I was, I taught leadership and character development at this school. And a lot of leadership is just taking responsibility for your life and methodically thinking through how can my impact be more significant, not only for myself, but for those I've influenced over. And uh, that kept sneaking its way into the conversation. And eventually that led to, because I had a background in teaching, I was, uh, I'd go to trade shows like WPPI or Photo Plus and I'd be presenting and representing some great companies like Adobe or White House or whoever. That eventually led to, I read a, uh, a book called The 4-Hour Workweek, many people are familiar with, and Tim Ferriss again ruined my life. I decided to become an author uh, based on that experience and self-published a book called The Fast Track Photographer. Uh, six months later, I got a call from Acquisitions at Random House and they wanted to do a two-book deal where I redid Fast Track. Fast Track was originally just for wedding photographers, mm. and then uh, they wanted me to rewrite it for all photographers. Uh, I did that, and then I did a second book for them called The Fast Track Photographer Business Plan. Um, neither book is really about technical photography at all. It's really about running it, well, figuring out who you are. If, you, if, you're, if, you're, if your business is yourname.com, uh, figuring out who you are is probably a better first step than what to go do was my come from. And then once you're clear on what who you are, that's a fast track photographer, then 
go one step further and go, well, based on who you are, what ought you be doing? How can you build a business around that? That was the Fast Track Photographer Business Plan. In writing those two books, I found myself on the road a lot, teaching a lot. And everywhere I went, I'd be in conversations with photographers who would say, like, this is really valuable. They were very kind and generous in their feedback. But they would say, but I have a, I have a buddy who isn't a photographer who would get a lot of value from the concepts because a lot of the concepts transfer. Like my attorney, he read it, and he, every time he saw a photographer, he'd cross it out and write lawyer, and somehow got value from it. And um, that's what eventually led to what we have today, which is this thing called the Gobi Collective, which is it's really just helping creatives get out of their own way. I love how you put that. Put structures in place that are proven across several disciplines that they're not complicated. Uh, they're just hard to do. They're hard to uh, methodically implement um, across the spectrum of business and, and really try to diminish the amount of folks that are failing and increase the value that they're bringing to the world. Yeah, and I, we, we've had this conversation before around the idea of like so many Basically, I think a lot of either photographers or freelancers or designers or artists, like some of them have worked for a bigger company. Or let's say it used to be more kosher as a commercial photographer. If you wanted to be like a fashion photographer or anything in that realm, you would go and you would work for another photographer mm -hmm. for years. And mm -hmm. then you would You'd be like apprentice. an apprentice. Right. You know? right. And then where nowadays people buy a digital camera and they are now open their photography studio or they all of a sudden get big on Instagram and now they're a photographer or they're a designer and they do all that sort of stuff. So within that, I think a lot of people don't have a good background on what it is to run a mm -hmm. business and mm -hmm. to do that well and to do that sustainably. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about what are some of the constant themes that you have seen with people? First, I mean, go into like what are the constant themes that you've seen throughout sort of conversations you've had, but then also like Dane is also a coach. He coaches individually, but then he also talk about fast track coaching, and then sure. and then within that, then go into sort of some of the uh, the challenges. Concept. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, it's funny. Just this morning, I was listening to a podcast that I love. Uh, this guy named Roman Mars has this podcast called Ninety Nine Percent Invisible, and uh, this particular show was about the phenomenon. It, th that show is about design, but th this particular show episode was about automation in airplanes and how automation in airplanes actually allows for a greater safety, more people can fly without great skill because mm -hmm. the machine does a lot of the work, but there also creates a, uh, an ancillary, but a, not, um, a side effect that people die <laughs> when the system fails right. them. And um, I think about that analogy because I think it connects a lot to photography in that the reason I got into photography, I mentioned I started, I started in, in a dark room shooting film like you shoot, but I quickly got insecure when I didn't have uh, a display in the back that could tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And I think the downside of learning the way I learned is that, well, the upside was I got to play. You know, a lot of folks just can't play without those opportunities, and I was one of those guys. I could have, I think, but I don't know that I would have done it as a profession. I think it would have just been a hobby. Uh, but what because the learning curve. You're talking about shooting digitally. Just shooting digitally. So, yeah. So, and, and that's true for all of us, right? And so all of a sudden, the the camera is is who we're apprenticing under, mm -hmm. uh, or and we're getting this feedback loop through all the social pieces where we're beginning to be able to compare our work with other people's work very quickly, see who the players are, make big leaps in our capacities just because those influences are coming in. But all of those things speak primarily to the the creative act, right? So the machines are now helping us create quicker, better, faster, stronger. Um, what they don't speak to is when things go sideways, similar to a plane 
in their, their autopilot all of a sudden not working. If you're not a good pilot, how do you get out of those situations? And uh, whether it be uh, you know, you're shooting a wedding and, and everything, like equipment starts failing, or you just have to get creative very quickly, and it's a time-sensitive event, and there's a lot at stake, there's those kinds of dynamics. And if you don't know what you're doing, that's a problem. But on the business side, that's also a problem. So um, if the economy's up and everyone's paying boatloads of money and all of your clients are delightful and that's great, that's fine. But if 2008 happens and everyone's housing uh, values go way down and they were financing the wedding, if they're wedding photographers, on houses, and now the clients get grumpier and it's just more challenging, uh, I think those um, dynamics force people into this, this place where like, they're, they're narrow in their skill set. And business is a skill set in the same way that f-stops and shutter speeds uh, and manipulating those things to get a result with a camera are skill sets. So there's this requirement, I think, long haul for us to be sensitive to, we need to be, have a working knowledge of not only the craft, um, but how can we parlay that craft into, a, into a, a business that still everyone gets to play. Anyone can be an entrepreneur right now. But when things go sideways, how are you going to respond? How does your business, is it built in such a way that it can sustain you uh, and, and, uh, and work its way through hard moments, tough clients, or just challenges that are very predictable? Mm -hmm. What are some of the most common things like when, within the scope of your coaching? And with, you, know, you've, you do single individual coaching one-on-one, -on -one, but then you also have group coaching. And you've, you've talked with and met with a lot of creatives and a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of uh, photographers. Yeah. So what, what are some of the common things that you've found people are struggling with or they're coming to you for? Yeah, well, let me back up just for a second because it might be helpful. Um, you're right, I do individual coaching with uh, creative entrepreneurs all over the place. It's really fun work. The challenge is my time doesn't scale, so it's very expensive. So one of the resources we created at Gobi was a really affordable solution so people can get excellent coaching at a fraction of the price. So, we've, And there's a reason why I'm doing that, and I'll tell you about that in a second. The other two resources that are there is our podcast, the Converge podcast on the business of creativity, and we do this annual event called the Go Summit every January. That's a lot of fun too for independent creatives. The, the third piece about the, the coaching part and the affordableness of the coaching is because it, it doesn't take a lot of input for individual independent entrepreneurs uh, to make a shift where they make their life easier. Oftentimes, um, the biggest issues for people are limiting conversations in their head. It's just the eight inches between their ears on what they say they can and can't do. Like for example, someone's in Kansas and they have a photo business and they're looking at a photographer in San Francisco and they're like, well, I'm not in San Francisco, I'm not in New York, I, I'm not in you know, Newport Beach, I can't pull off, I don't have the market that you all have. Well, it turns out that uh, that's a limiting conversation you're having with yourself. And there's a, a little bit of shifting that can happen without much effort where people can see whole new possibilities where they didn't see them before. And when they do, they can get after those possibilities with a, with a sense of um, enthusiasm and resource that their local peers just don't have. Mm -hmm. So it creates these unfair advantages just by having a coach speak into their life. Um, and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's vetted, like we don't just have anybody run a group, they're, they're trained professionals, they know what they're doing. And there's a particular modality, like meaning there's a process that we walk everyone through um, and the feedback has just been extraordinary. Um, not only their experience, but also we benchmark everybody with where their business is. So over time, as their business improves, they can show justification for why they're making the investment they're making. Yeah, because ultimately, if you 
are going to hire and pay money to have a coach come in. You need results. You need results, or yeah. else you're just sort of paying to have a counselor. That's know? right, and, and you know, it, people, sometimes that's helpful too. Well, it, <laughs> it, it can be because you know, people's personal lives, if they're running their business, and everyone knows this, like, if you are running your business, your personal life is going to get in your business. It's just part of the deal, and sometimes it's just helpful. Like, I, I can't, actually can't think of a serious profession. Like, I think of like athletes. Like, can you imagine someone going to to the Olympics and not having a coach. Like, it's yeah. kind of ridiculous. And it's not because they're not world-class athletes, it's because well, everyone's a world-class athlete. That, that's, that's the assumed part. Right. But a coach can get those extra couple inches out of you that will make the difference. Yeah. Uh, so within some of the coaching stuff, I'm, I'm guessing you've had co consistent themes or similar things that have popped up from people, whether, you know, let's say it's, let's go with photographers. Yeah. What do you, what do you feel like are some of the constant um, topics of struggle that have come up? Yeah, so I mentioned some of the mindset stuff before. Right. Uh, more to business directly, um, one frame that we like a lot it comes from uh, a guy named Josh Kaufman. He wrote a book called Personal MBA. And uh, he creates a really nice kind of chunking down of the business process where it really comes down to you create value. So as a photographer, how do you create value? Well, you make remarkable images. Uh, you create a, a great experience for the client. You price at a point where your value is way higher than the price you're charging. It becomes a no-brainer. They're surprised and delighted at every turn and they recommend all their friends. Like that's the value that gets created. But some people think that's what business is and it's not. That's just one bucket of business. Another bucket of business is getting to market. Like who are you talking to? How are you talking to them? How, when are you meeting at them at the moment when they're ready to purchase? That's, that's the marketing conversation. Then there's another bucket called the sales conversation, which is when you're, in the, you're finally in that conversation, how is your pricing competitive? How are you presenting that pricing? What's your sequence for, for doing the sale? And how are you getting new leads that are converting into warm leads that are converting into real business that are converting into evangelists for your business? That's a sales cycle. And then there's the finance, like how are you doing your bookkeeping? What's your business model? Are you a volume game or a premium game? All of those conversations is another set of challenges. Um, and then you have to create systems to make all those very efficient. And then you have to work with people. Like I have to be with, working with myself, I might have a team, I have clients that are challenging at times. And in the midst of all of that stuff, people say I run a business. Well, when you chunk it down to what a business is, and that's just a quick frame, there's several ways you could chunk it up. Um, it still comes down to you have to have all of those buckets firing in all pistons mm -hmm. to have a great business. And once people see that, like just, just that one process alone, like that one's free, no problem. But uh, <laughs> there's a sense in which like just to go, okay, oh, I am responsible as a business owner for all of those pieces. And if I'm lost like retouching in Photoshop full time because I just right. love doing that work or social media or whatever your kind of vice of choice is, not concerning yourself with these other pieces, you're at a radical disadvantage compared to your competition who is accounting for those pieces. And, and if you can put yourself in that position, where you have a working, it's not all gonna get done at once, but if you methodically, week in, week out, are working on those pieces of your business and you see where the deficits are, you have, you're measuring everything and you're trying to figure out what's gonna trigger me to spend more attention on my sales process than say my marketing, because that's more important at this moment. Um, that's what's gonna be the difference so that week after week, month after month, quarter after quarter, year after year, you're seeing real growth. And that's what a business has to do. It's like any organism, if it's not growing, it's declining. And atrophy is not a good model for business. No, <laughs> atrophy is not a good model for much. So, so I, in, a, in a sense, that's like, it's answering your question, but, but 
it's at a pretty high level, right? Like the, all of the, what I just said applies to any creative entrepreneur's right. business. As a photographer in particular, um, this is actually where we have some advantages. So you think of uh, the way that people, just looking at the marketing process alone, like all of the industries that are dependent on our work is a function of marketing. There's, there's photographers who, that's all they do is they, they take pictures for the sake of other companies marketing their business. But let's say you're a wedding photographer, which is where I came from. Um, shooting weddings is, the, 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 the results, the deliverables are there to surprise and delight my clients and have them be really excited. But they're also, depending on the client, if I'm allowed, I can turn those around and not only market my business, but several other businesses. And that's, that's a rem incredible competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden when I'm working with all the other gatekeeper relationships that could get me new weddings or um, open up new markets or new kinds of photography, uh, I can surprise and delight a whole second tier of business, which is this is business to consumer, this is business to business. Now all of a sudden you have um, amazing planners that that you are making their day, you're making their job easier and their life easier, mm -hmm. which is no different than a customer who you're making their life better because of the images you took at their at their event. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, taking care of your vendors is, or your other vendors that you're working with is such an important one, where you, like so often I hear like, oh my gosh, like I've never seen images from those weddings from that person, Right. you know, and it's like, man, these people are your spokespeople and like you, I mean, you're you're sort of, you are the gatekeeper of the images, and sort of that ability to then share and like have them be stoked, and then they share, and especially like nowadays with like this like Instagram and all that, like that's right. When everybody is sharing something from that same event, like the the um, just results and like snowball effect are are huge. You the, know, the benefits are obvious. What's striking to me is how much money is left on the table for folks. Most photographers they see that they're relating with that like it's a chore, as opposed to it's a strategic must-win initiative. Uh, the best photographers I know, one guy in particular, I won't name him, he's a great guy, but uh, he's in my market, so I don't want him to have a competitive advantage. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but, well, I'll say, so Jim Kennedy here in Orange County, um, a machine. he's a machine, yeah. right? Like, we're in slightly different markets, but for his kind of segment, it's pretty amazing where he values his employees. So, like, to have a full-time person whose whole job is just to put together uh, image kits, printed image kits for vendors and to get it immediately after an event. Well, no kidding, he has 300 weddings in the books a year because uh, he sees that as critical mm -hmm. to getting putting himself in that kind of a position. And that's a component of business. And, and I, gone are the days of like, I make pretty pictures and people hire me. Uh, the, we need a higher degree of sophistication as we build our businesses. And, and sometimes we just need some help to see where are the gaps. Yeah. Um, I mean, because this is more of a question when you just mentioned Jim and who's someone who's still killing it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, but I've, I've seen cycles of people who have been like speaking at WPPI and like huge, yeah. huge names, you know, that all of a sudden sort of are like disappeared off the market. Yeah. What, do you, what would you attribute um, that to? Well, I think some of it, and and I think, I and know. that's and that's based off of a question of just like longevity. And it's like the one view of it would be like, okay, I guess like the, sh the lifetime of photographer is really short. Or is like what are what are mistakes that have been made, or sure. things that can be done to have longevity? Yeah, so so that's right. I think you know you think of professional athletes, and some of them will play for a season, and then they'll start coaching, or they'll start doing other things in life, and or, uh, or they'll, you know, they'll DJ is a great example. So he shot for a while, started a software company, uh, started making millions instead of thousands, <laughs> and that made more sense to him, and which wisely, right? You know, good for him. Um, 
And I think that, that that's one reason why people move on. Uh, probably the biggest reason why people move on, not for those good reasons, not because they're, they're kind of leveled up, but more because um, they're just exhausted, yeah. is I think that they, it's, it's the e-myth problem, right? So they start in their business, and if people don't know, there's this kind of classic business book called E-Myth Revisited that should be standard reading for most folks um, if they haven't read it already. But the, the basic principle is uh, people start their business, they get super excited about it. Often they're working for somebody else and they go, hey, I could do this. And how many, you know, every photographer I know has a story of exactly. a, a bride or a groom who all of a sudden became photographers. You know? And now they're the marketing person, the receptionist, the That's actual right. photographer That's exactly or right. the plumber or the, you know, like. It doesn't matter. It, it's pretty yeah. cool in every industry, right? And, and the smart ones realize the insanity of it. Now they've taken on eight jobs so they don't have a job. Now they have eight. Like, it's crazy. Um, but if what, there's kind of thresholds that are kind of very predictable. It's like going to college. Like your freshman year happens and you have a different set of problems your sophomore year and you have a different set of problems your junior year. And as photographers, if you don't get through that gauntlet, and, and mature in the business that you're building, it's just too exhausting. It'll take right. anybody out. And it's not, it's not a marker of whether or not they make good photos. It's really a marker of uh, do they have the business chops to make their photos, to leverage their photos into, mm -hmm. into real business. Yeah. Um, and I think too, it can probably, if you're really popular and you're really successful in the sense of getting crazy booked, it can probably feel like you don't have to do as much. It's deceiving. To continue to, you know, it's like, there, you, you have to continue to put in work to get work, but That's sometimes right. it's easy to like, when you're crazy slammed, to forget that you still have to be doing this for the next year, the next year after that. That's right, um, I, well, more so. I, I, think, I think when you raise the bar, and I, I've, I've had these conversations with like in the commercial world, for example, um, it takes so much work to get your portfolio up to snuff where you're actually gonna get you know, creative directors to pick you and notice you, and you're right, you become flavor of the week, you're super popular all over the place, you're, if you think of a business pipeline, you're on the end of that pipeline going like, I'm getting all this business, I'm getting all this business. But if you're not feeding the pipe, right. when, not if, but when that business dries up, it's on you because you didn't uh, um, cut back on doing this work to set up future work. Right. This is an organic organism. And uh, if you don't grow your business with a longer term vision, it's tough, and, and I, believe me, like I, I was Flavor of the Week for a while, and, I wrote, and then when you come off that cliff, you wake up some January morning and go, what just happened? Yeah. And by the way, when things were going great and you built up all this great, um, your monthly nut is so big that it's, it's overwhelming. Like, and it puts, that alone can put businesses yeah. out, of, uh, out in a second. But I also think it's also a rite of passage. Like it's, it's a good thing to go through and yeah. you know, you skin your knee. And it's recoverable. So if folks are listening to this and they're in the middle of that, it's totally redeemable. But they just need to get serious about what it takes to run a business. And, and when they do that, it can be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's not all doom. It's really thrilling. Yeah. When it was um, at the, we just came back from an Engage conference, which mm -hmm. was really fun. But really fun. a couple of Engages ago, one of the like really big high-end, I don't need to mention her name, but um, high-end planners does celebrity, like huge, mm. huge celebrity events. She gave a talk on going through a slump. And she's like, I basically, you know, you, you expect that you're just going to keep getting the calls. Mm. And then it's like, I had to just go back and ask for work. I'd be like, hey, listen, I'm still here. Yeah. You know, and, and I think too, when you get, so I've had a lot of people come to me and they're I can't like, afford you. You're too big. You're out of my market. I can't afford you. Or it's like, oh, I just assumed you're busy because That's you're always right. busy. And I was like, well, I mean, but I love doing this. So like, let's work together. That's I mean, right. You know, so. I'd rather work with you than totally, someone off the totally. street. Right. Right. Um, 
So, I mean, what, what do you feel like are things that um, people can, I, I'm really being at a place in my life of, of you know, feeling like I'm, I'm doing well with photography, but then I'm also have three kids and then looking at long-term and sustainability, what are things that you, be, instead of going through like the flood, feast and famine right. type stuff, right. what, are, what are things that you have taught with, within your coaching scheme of like, how do you, how do you have more of a sustainable business? Yeah. Right. Well, I, I, it's funny, I, I probably, I might answer it a little different than you're asking. Um, I would probably back up for a second. If you think of your business the actions that are connected to your business, let's just call that your to-do list. And mm. we all have massive to-do lists, right? They're, we're gonna die with things on our list that aren't gonna get done. And the type A personalities out there are like, no, you know, it's true, it's gonna be there. Um, but there's also another list that I maintain and most folks I have a chance to work around maintain. And that's their to-be list, not their to-do list. And rather than having it be a perennial cycle where the list is gonna grow forever, this is a cycle that resets every 24 hours. So I have like a handful, like no more than a dozen things that I have to do every single day uh, that if I, I find when I do those things, especially early in the day, no matter what happens circumstantially in my business, my day turns out, to, I, 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 my days turn out well. Like I, I find myself saying, oh, I'm, I'm working on my business, not for my business. I'm, I'm taking care of myself in a way that I need to. Um, and those things, they're very basic. Like Things that have made my list over the years are as simple as like flossing my teeth every day yeah. or, or like taking a one a day vitamin or drinking a third of my weight in ounces in water or walking 10,000 steps. Or, yeah. and, I, and I measure all of it in the same way that I measure things for my business. And what I've noticed is when, I, when I'm in a position where I've had enough sleep and I'm well hydrated yeah. and um, uh, I find I make better decisions, I, I have the ability to have perspective when things are low and I don't get too high on the highs either. And that kind of steady kind of approach to life can make such a radical difference in my business. And it's often like one of the easiest things someone could fix, but it's just overlooked because they, they choose to be stressed out around their business 24 hours, seven days a week, 12 months a year, and they wonder why they burn out. Well, because they have not created any sustainability in who they are as people. Um, even our relationships, I think, I've seen more marriages and families get destroyed by photography businesses than than a lot of other industries. And I think it's because it requires so much of us. But if we don't get agreement with our, our partners or have a sense of we are doing something together and I know when to shut it off because tomorrow I'm gonna to be all in, um, that's a, it's, it's a cliche, it's so obvious where, yeah. where those roads go. But it, it, you gotta put on your, your big boy pants and, and take responsibility for the whole of your life in order to, to create that sustainability long haul. Mm -hmm. um. Being that you're someone that likes I should say big girl pants work too. Big for, girl forgive pants, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get an email about that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's quite a few lady photographers out there. <laughs> Just a couple. Um, yeah, so I mean, you're you're someone who likes to measure things. Um, I do. And even I want to get into that, but even just sort of what you're it's re almost like you're saying doing those certain things that need to get done for your business oh, it's almost like reverse engineering if you were to take like That's okay right. these are the goals of where i want to be and where i want my business to be so what are it's almost he dane gave a great talk out in uh out at engage but mm -hmm. this idea of where do i want to be a year from now so i've got to start acting and doing the things today that that person would be that's right, right. That's you exactly know, it. so it's it's the basically re-engine reverse engineering your business to be like okay 
if I want to be working with these people, if I want to be shooting at this caliber, if I want to be shooting in these places, what do I have to do mm-hmm. today to do that? And it's basically like setting up in your weekly schedule and calendar of being able to say, okay, I need to do these things every week. So that mm-hmm. means I'm going to do them on Monday morning. That's right. Or Tuesday morning, you know, and you set it in your calendar. If I know, if you know you have to blog every week, you know, you have to put it in your calendar or well, else it's not going to happen. Well, right? the challenge is a lot of folks feel that need to go do that, right? Like they're like, oh, I want to go. Uh, I, I know I need to blog more. Like I can't, right. the amount of time, if I got a dollar for every time somebody said that, I'd be yeah. a rich man. And and rather than saying like a chore, like this weight over your head, oh, I have to go do this thing. I think a more resourceful way to frame it is to say, if I was that person who I aspire to be, if I, if that person was me today, what would that person be doing today? Right. So it's more like like putting on the coat, and well, of course I'm blogging. That's what that's what people like me do on Mondays, and and then it becomes self-evident, not like it's a burden, but like I get to go do that sort of thing. And where that the easiest litmus test, because I know people are going, oh, that makes sense. They're nodding right now at home. Um, I see you. Uh, but my my sense is that uh, the test of it is is often um, is just hit them where, where it hurts. So at, what I would say to somebody who says, oh, I get it, that's what I'm gonna do, I would say, okay, well, let's just get clear. Um, tell me about your pricing. And they'll say what their pricing is. They'll say, so the person you aspire to be a year from now, is that person charging what you're charging today? And oftentimes there's this like hesitancy or like, oh, I'm gonna kind of stair step my way up or right. whatever. And it's okay that where they're at, it's perfect. But it reveals that they haven't committed to be that person yet. And if you don't look for those spaces where it, it, it's painful, like I might lose some clients if I want to position my brand in that position, or um, uh, you know, to take time out to do the things that you don't want to do because you, or to to stop doing what you want to do and do the things that you know you need to do to be that person. That are those are the litmus tests that tell you whether or not you're being true to that commitment. And I, th- I think that if if people even just did a couple of those things, and the pricing one is the easiest one it makes such an immediate difference to your bottom line. If you have the guts to say, I'm gonna forego those clients because I'm committed to being uh, a service provider that services these kinds of clients. Um, you'll see tons of opportunity in your business to go and, and grow the parts that needed to grow so that you can really deliver the goods. How do you answer people when they're talking? Because pricing is a tough, it's a scary one, you know, to like increase If you say pricing. so it is, well, I right. think it's an opportunity. Well, of course, but I, think, I feel like for most people it feels scary. Well, I that, think it's a that's great right. opportunity. It, but it, it, that, that, well, I love the way you put that, Braden, because uh, on the one hand, it's like it feel just because it, we give way too much power to our feelings. Totally. <laughs> so it, it does feel that way. And by the way, if you're feeling that anxiety, that ought to be like the blue light special that you're heading in the right direction. If you're not a little scared that it might not work, this is an old Seth Godinism, you should be scared because it might not work. Right. Like you're competing with people who are eating, breathing, sleeping, this stuff all day long. Those are your competitors. You're not working against yourself only. You're in a real world. And given that context, if you're not feeling that heat, then you're not really in the game. You're thinking about being in the game. You have fantasies, you have romantic feelings about it. And if I can take you out of the game as your competitor by just making you feel scared, well, you probably need to either get out of the game or change your attitude about it. But, But when you go after those things that make you feel scared and you realize kind of cognitively this is the work that that guy would do today or that woman would do today if they were at the top of their game, then it becomes self-evident what you need to do, period. Even, especially in the face of fear. Right. And meanwhile, this is the, the big kicker, 
all your other competitors are feeling the same kind of fear. And if you're willing to go there and they're not, you've just created this radical unfair advantage that you need to take advantage of. Because it, it, it's the separator. It's what all the, the best performers do all day, every day. And there's no reason why the folks at home who are listening can't make that kind of courageous decision uh, to put themselves in that position. And when, when people are dealing with pricing, let's say they get over the fear their, or their own issues with it. Yeah. Um, and then their concern is, well, everyone that I, I'm going to be too high for all of my current. Price yourself out of the market. Yeah. Totally. So what do, you, what do people do or what do you recommend or give them assurance in that sort of situation? Or what do they have to change? Well, I, yeah, that's, again, all great frames because, um, number one, there aren't any assurances. Mm-hmm. It might not work. Right. Uh, and they may have priced themselves out of the market and they're not willing to raise their value enough. Remember the categories? Yeah. If they're not willing to raise, if they're charging $25,000, we can talk about weddings. I know there's a lot of other photographers who watch yeah. the show, but uh, let's talk photography weddings again. If I say... I'm a $25,000 a wedding photographer, um, then I need to deliver more than $25,000 worth of value to justify that price point. So here's the good news. If I was a $5,000 a a wedding photographer and I've just made this massive leap, no one's gonna call for a while. Mm -hmm. So you've just bought yourself some time to build the actual business you need to build to be at that level. So if you get one call, it's good news they're not gonna call because right now you're only delivering $5,000 for the value. You have a lot of work to do to put yourself in a position when that one call comes in because if you don't deliver the goods on that one real deal, forget about it. You're, you know, it takes a long time to get the second call. But if you're ready when that call comes in and you deliver the goods and they start bragging about you, you've now found yourself in a whole different market and you're grateful that you're not in this old market. Mm-hmm. You're thanking the good Lord that you're not there anymore. But it takes a leap, and in that leap, yeah, it might not work. So it's okay if people stay at this market, but don't live in this fantasy of like, oh, I need to go there. You don't need to go there. Right. Just know that this is a volume game, and this is a premium game, and at the premium level, uh, you're playing with the big kids. I did an interview with Gigi D'Amanio out mm. in Engage, mm. um, and she shot like the Clinton wedding, mm. and you know, I was like, big deal, and shoots with um, huge planners. You know, and in the conversation, I was saying, what are some things that you've had? Basically, it's like this fear of. I think we all have this fear of making mistakes, which which you ultimately have to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's like, yeah, I priced myself a little too high, and I was turning down jobs, and all of a sudden I have these huge openings. So I realized it's sort of like measuring your results. It's you know you can change things in an email template. What happens? It's it's trying to figure out when you do this in your business, what are the results? But mm-hmm. she's like, yeah. So I brought my prices back down, and you know it's like. And things are back to where they were, but it's that. I think. I think. I'll speak for myself. It's easy to be like, if I do this, it's fatal, you know, or or you know, nothing's fatal. No, exactly. You can always come back and change it. And I think. I think it's. I'm a perfectionist, you know, and I'm as I think a lot of like artists or creatives probably are wired in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, So that just fear of failure, which ultimately. You get saws. <laughs> um, I have this recurring fear that something's going to cut me right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about just. I know you're someone who measures really well, and you're good with systems. Um, you know, and it goes back to like how people might structure their yep. week. But like, what what are some good things that? Um, I mean, you could probably talk for days on this topic, but like with, within just a small business, like simple tools that could yeah. probably be used well. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the lifeblood of any good business, I'm just going to keep talking through it. 
the lifeblood of any good business is um, you need customers. You need paying customers to make your business work. And I think an easy hack is to think through um, how do I generate more leads in the top of my sales funnel that eventually will lead to close clients who are evangelists for my business. That is a methodical process that if you aren't measuring specifically, uh, you're going to have real problems. So the way I relate with that is I think through where, who, who am I speaking to directly? Do you want me to stop? You don't make me wrong. It's like the longest saw portion he's ever done. It's right yeah. during that. Yeah. I think one of the most important and easiest places to make the biggest gain in the quickest amount of time is to think about the lifeblood of your business, which is really just leads that ultimately are going to turn into customers. And that those are highly measurable efforts. So for example, if I say I need to generate another, let's call it $100,000 this, this year, or $50,000 or 10000 the number doesn't matter, but some number, you, it's just simple math. You say, if it's revenue primarily, and let's say it's I need to get $10,000 more and I shoot weddings at, or events at $5,000 a pop, I need two more events, easy peasy. And then you just have to say, well, based on my closing ratio, how many people do I need to talk to on average to get two closed events? Let's say it's 10 people. Then I just need to know to get two more events, I just need to talk to 10 more qualified leads. Not complicated. But if you don't have those numbers in your mind and you don't go, okay, so I need, let's say that's not 10,000, let's say it's 100,000 this year and I need 10, 10 warm leads to get 10,000, well, I need 100 warm leads to get 100,000, well, then I have work to do to go find out who are those 100 beautiful people that need to convert. Now, I might get lucky and more will convert or I might get unlucky and less will convert, but at least I have metrics that I'm going for. These are my marching orders for how I need to spend my time. Well, there's great tools that can help you with that. I mean, on the digital front, people get, this is why people get CRMs like HubSpot and uh, uh, Salesforce and these different tools out there to kind of measure your progress with any kind of client group. But you can just do it analog. Like at, at Gobi Collective, we offer a free thing called Backbone. People sign up for the collective and we just give it to them and it's just printed out and you just, you're, you're making, you're keeping a record, a scorecard of the work you're, the pre-work you're doing that will ultimately result in real money. The problem is people just don't do that work. They don't check it down. And then they, they're wondering like, why don't I get more business? And they're pining away with a complaint. Meanwhile, the competitors, they're doing that work. That frontline work that happens here, just follow the money. It goes, to, it goes directly to people's bottom line. And if you do that, that's why, you know, the big secret about Engage is it's such a, if, you, if your business is the people that are meeting there, they're the gatekeepers, it, it's so expensive but it's such a no-brainer right. because you put yourself in a position to be in conversations with real players. And I promise you, all those players are doing the work I'm describing. Yeah. That's, what, that's what pros do. And then within just even efficiency type tools, um, can, you, can you give just a couple things that you think are probably the oh, biggest? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you were to look at my, my phone or my computer, you'll see all the tools that I live and breathe by. So like I do all my... Um, my emailing through this little app called Airmail2. And one of the reasons why I write in Airmail2 is because I can write in Markdown. And people don't know what these things are. Markdown, if you, if you look up the, the phrase Markdown online, uh, at first it looks like, oh, I have to write in computer code. It's not, it's actually, a re people write in Markdown all the time, they don't know what it is. Um, it's basically a couple little extra characters when you're writing any kind of words. And you can very quickly drop, when it converts from Markdown, these, these apps like uh, Airmail or these websites will convert this regular text with a couple extra little characters in it into really nicely formatted uh, you know, web links, images, headers, uh, these kinds of things that 
um, for me, really increase my efficiency. Um, when I think of working in, uh, you know, plugins with with Lightroom or Actions with Photoshop, I tend not to use Actions so much, but plugins for just the automation process for Lightroom can be really powerful. I think of uh, my to-do list, my massive to-do list. I use OmniFocus with the Getting Things Done system, but I, I have a system for everything and. People, I do do a lot of stuff and people give me disproportionate credit because not only do I have a team, but I, I'm pretty ruthless with, I, I think what it comes down to is, so when I was a kid, my dad died when I was a little kid, I was three. My dad's dad died when my dad was three and I got four kids and I, I'm just super conscious, even just yesterday, so a, a young man in our community was hit by a car and, and passed away. It was horrible, just yesterday happened. And I just think of their family and the reality is life is so short and if we wanna make a mark, we don't get to be lazy. Uh, we have work to do, and I don't want to just make a mark with my business. I want, I want. You've seen my kids run around and my very domestic life with crazy saws and my next door neighbor. Like <laughs> I, this, this is my life. My my photo business isn't my life. This is my life, right. and that exists to serve this. And uh, if I'm serious about that, and I'm counting my days like they matter, then all of a sudden when I get to work, I'm not on Facebook. I'm, I'm unless Facebook is my job. I'm, I'm. I'm here to get after it because uh, the stakes are too high. Life is way too precious. Mm -hmm. And when we wait until it's gone and we just get nostalgic or sad about it, I'll still get nostalgic and sad, but I'd rather do that knowing I had a full life. And that's what the stakes, that's how high the stakes are. Yeah. Um, on that topic, because that's been a big um, just internal conversation with myself mm. of trying to just figure out because I mean, Dana has four kids. I have three kids. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're almost there, man. Hey, you're, you're yeah. <laughs> three. Um, you are a little bit further. Your kids are a little older. Yeah. Um, what are some things? And and I know like there's a lot like ton. I have a ton of like friends who are moms and photographers. Yeah. And that's I think that's even more challenging. It is. As as a dad, it's expected to go to work. As a mom, it's sort of for most of the moms that I know, they're being mom, but then they're all like with the kids, but then they're also trying to run a full business. Right. What are the things that you have really set up or first talk about things that you've done wrong okay, with that's balance? Easy. That's easy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then out of, out of those sort of like getting to a place of recognizing I'm sort of way off balance, what are the, some things that you've structured into your life to really create balance? Well, quick word, I'm really not balanced and, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm not a believer in that conversation. Um, I think balance creates conflict needlessly. I'm more. I'm out of balance intentionally, depending on where I'm at. So if I'm working on my business, I, I tend not to be focused on my family. When I'm with my family, I tend not to focus on my business, and I'm really good with that. Um, but that said, regarding mistakes, uh, the biggest mistake I've ever made in my career that I can think of right now is um, comparison and envy. Uh, especially when I'm comparing and have envy toward those who are in a different position in life. So um, uh, David Jay is a good friend of mine, I love him. Uh, for years, uh, I was married with four kids, he was a single guy. And uh, I was staring at his world going like, how is he pulling off what he's pulling off? And thinking, oh I know what I'll do, I'll be superhuman and I'll do all of this stuff and I'll try to be like DJ. <laughs> and it was just foolish. Yeah. I mean. And it was really rooted not in I wanted to be DJ, it was rooted in comparison and envy. And there's a reason why comparison and envy are looked at in um, you know, religious traditions as really bad ideas, because uh, they ruin people's lives. And I think with the result, like when you look at social media like Facebook and Pinterest and all these comparison and, 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 and really the single facet of life, like we aren't our status updates. 
I, I, go, I run into old friends all the time and they'll be like, are you traveling a lot? And I'm like, no, I just tweet from airplane, uh, airports. That's all I ever do. So they think I'm only on a plane yeah. and it's just not true, right. you know? And uh, I think that if you can get out of that alone, just remove comparison and envy and get clear on what are you committed to be, who's that person a year from now and be that person, uh, you remove a lot of pain really, really quickly. It took me years to even see that. And once I saw mm. it, it, it almost takes like a violent effort to interrupt it because it's just, it's so hard to overcome. Yeah, you, you've got to check out Dane's podcast called Converge, which you can find it on gobycollective.com. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've um, just recently, it's fun, we like we read a lot of the same books, we do. listen to a lot we of the do. same podcasts, but yeah. your, your podcast has been really great. But on that topic, um, you interviewed Ryan Holiday, yeah. who was basically the mastermind behind a lot of... Um, Growth hacking, and, and yeah. well, he was, the, he was the head of marketing at American Apparel. Right. And he's behind a lot of big time bestsellers that you guys have all known and seen and purchased. He probably had a hand in. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember what his answer was? You were asking him about um, he's about to get married, and you basically asked him, like, "Do you think things are going to change?" Mm. And basically, his answer was, he's like, he thought about it for a second, and he came back and he said, "You know what? Basically, what most people do is sort of what you were describing about you and David J. Mm -hmm. Is um, he's like, single people try to compare them or." Married people try to compare themselves to people who are single or people with kids like this, and it's like you—it's complete, like it's impossible. Yeah. Or you, or what happens is, you basically have to decide. You're going to be all about your business, and your family's going to sacrifice. That's or right. You're going to be all about your family and your business. You can't. You cannot do them all the Sim same as si you. simultaneously. Exactly. And and I think you're right. Like deciding, deciding who's going to lose. Like one of my—I talked about my daily method before. And one of the things I have to do every day is disappoint somebody. Uh, by default, I'm a people pleaser. I'm yeah. committed to interrupting that. So that means I have to choose one person in my life who I'm going to intentionally disappoint. And it's amazing how much freedom that's offered me because now I'm picking people who actually don't matter to me in my life so that I can keep my word for the ones I've committed to in my life. And that might sound like a little thing or kind of silly, but I promise if folks who are listening, they try to do this, number one, it's really hard to do. Uh, but number two, it's so gratifying when they do it because all of a sudden they're saying yes to the things they'd already, they're keeping their word. Um, and at, when I get to the end of my days, I'm not gonna be looking back and going, oh, I wish I had spent more time trying to please people I'll never see again. And, and I'm, I'm really glad that I spent less time uh, keeping my word to my nine-year-old. Um, yeah. That's the one that's gonna matter. And that's the one I'm gonna be thinking about. Yeah. And but, they, I, but I think Ryan's comment about like comparing in the right category is well, probably yeah. really smart. It's just practical wisdom. Yeah, I, I mean, I find myself like looking through Instagram and it's like all these like younger single photographers and they're traveling the world, they're in Iceland. Well, which is like, hilarious because you travel the world. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, that's, and other people are looking at you doing know, the same game. I know, you it's know? ridiculous. And yeah. I, I just get back from a trip. And I'm like, why am I not there? You know, and it's like, but it, it's, it's really for me, it's been a huge shift of being like, yeah. I want to be here. Yeah, it's a discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Are there things that you have intentionally structured so that you can shut off? Like, oh yeah, it's not all like, the time. For me, it it's, hasn't been an easy shift, and it's still a, like not an easy shift. And and it won't ever be easy because we have a world of content marketers who are committed to interrupting you at every turn, uh, and, and and not just interrupting you like like spam interrupting you, like interrupting you with really interesting things mm -hmm. that could pull you away from yeah. the things that you're committed to. So I I think one of my daily commitments is I shut it down at six p.m. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not a night owl with my business. I'm with my family at night, and that's a big deal. Uh, and I fail at it all the time. Believe me, ask my family, and they'll tell you. But I, my my failure rate is radically lower than before. 
another commitment that I made to myself was I was going to learn how to cook. Uh, this is like this, I made like three meals uh, for my family in 18 years, yeah. which is kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and even those, my wife kind of says, when were those three meals again? Because she doesn't remember them. Uh-huh. Um, but now I cook two meals a week. And that took me, I had to go back and read another Tim Ferriss book and learn how to be a chef. And all of a sudden, um, that's, it's, it's not just like I have to limit myself, I'm removing stuff out and then filling it with stuff that are gonna reinforce the values that I say I have. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like I'm more present with my family. I'm turning music on and handing my wife a glass of wine. And I gotta tell you, that has a radical impact on our sense of intimacy and connection. And, and little thing, big return. Mm. Like if, if that's not Entrepreneur 101, I don't know what is. That's what we have to do if we're gonna make the leap. And that's what we get to do. And it's pretty amazing that we live in a world where that's even possible. Yeah, well that's great. Where can people find more about, like what else can they find on the Gobi Collective? Yeah, so uh, Gobi Collective again is uh, the podcast, it's the event, it's uh, Faster Mind Coaching. If you join the collective, we do this thing where um, we think that people are have too much spam in their world. And we don't want to be one of those people, like email litter. So we actually charge people 10 bucks to join the collective. It's not a recurring fee. It's, we're not making any money on it. Uh, it's really just saying, if we're not worth $10 of your time, we're going to save you the grief of having one more email you feel guilty about in your inbox. But if you join, we have a lot of value. So we have courses. Uh, we do webinars every month. Um, you get early access to things like the, the Gobi Summit and um, all those kinds of uh, uh, you get backbone for free, that tool I mentioned earlier, those kinds of things. So if you go there, it's all really self-explanatory. Just gobicollective.com. And, uh, and then G-O-B-E. Yeah, like go be that person a year from now. Go, go. go be collective. But let's do it together because doing it yourself is overrated. And it's, uh, it's nice when you can collaborate with colleagues in a world where you can feel really alone a lot. Yeah. Well, it's been really, really great, really helpful. Thanks, Thanks for the man. time. Thanks for all you're doing, man. It, oh, it, yeah. It's a big deal. You're inspiring to me, and, and I'm, I'm really honored that you'd have me on. Oh, well, thanks, Dan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely go check out Gobi Collective. I would highly, highly recommend his podcast, Converge. Yes. Um, Convergepodcast.com if you want to go there direct. Yeah. And awesome. Uh, Interview some really, really great people talking about all sorts of different topics. But anything that's just involving, if you are any sort of a business owner, which if you're creative, you pretty much are. I mean, huge, huge resources. So check that out. Thanks so much. All right, and man. Looking forward to more conversations. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Really hope you love that episode. And Dan Sanders is just such a resource and powerhouse when it comes to helping people in that freelance entrepreneur, designer, photographer type business to really take you to the next level. And a couple things have changed since we recorded this, which was actually a little while ago. And I've been putting together some older videos that I had filmed, which you can see more on the photoreport.com or the artist report. Search that on YouTube. But go to FasterMind, like had to have a faster mind, fastermind.co. And you can see videos about what he's doing there, but it's basically weekly accountability, monthly education and live events with other people trying to do the same thing, being coached by people who have done it. And really, really encourage you to go check that out. Hope you liked this. And if you did, please just share it, pass it along, go subscribe if you haven't subscribed and would love any reviews on iTunes or any platform like that. But thanks so much. And we've got a lot more coming. So stay tuned.